0: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Welcome, global leaders, to the Global Reach Leadership Forum with Navy veteran, ecclesial leader, entrepreneur, and author, Dr. Pat presenting you with critical leadership perspectives from the minds of former military leaders now transforming the face of american business as successful entrepreneurs get ready to listen learn to lead and now to enhance your leadership influence on the global reach leadership forum here's your host dr pat
1: Hello and welcome to the Global Reach Leadership Forum. I'm your host, Dr. Pat, and uh, today we are talking about vision, and this is a special edition uh, for today. We are talking about vision with uh, an entrepreneur, a a manufacturer, somebody who knows and understands the manufacturing sector, somebody who's been successful in manufacturing and is doing really well, and can speak to the ins and outs of what it means to lead as a manufacturer, what it means to excel. And before I mention who my guest is, I wanna give you my perspective, my take on what vision is all about. And this morning or afternoon or evening, wherever you might be, I just want you to consider for a second what vision means to you. Do you have a vision as a leader? Do you understand what it means to have a vision in the true sense of the word? Because vision is a leader's opportunity to inform your followers, perform your objectives, and reform your present toward a shared and foreseeable future. Now, clearly, clearly, no pun intended, the ability to see what others can't is what vision is. The ability to see what is beyond the average perceptive conception from others is typically what leaders can see. Now, a leader without a vision lacks foresight and a level of maturity to see what others can. Leaders tend to see the trees and the forest for what they really are now. So when I talk about vision, I wanna make sure that we understand that vision is an essential leadership quality that will shape the values, objectives and goals of the organization. Consequently, an organization that does not have a vision or does not have a vision statement needs to go back to the drawing board of the organization's purpose and define their why. By that I mean, you as organizational leader needs to identify what you see as your contribution to the society. So you are a part of what the future holds and what you see as your calling in your sphere of influence. Knowing what that is will help you drive purpose and action toward identifying your vision. Now, one does not wake up one day and come up with a vision or statement or or where they want to go for one's organization. It is something that you have to nurture over time and be purposeful about it, contemplate it, be forthright about it, and and for those like me who are faith-based, pray it with you know pray for it, understand it, and be fundamental in the development of that organization's vision statement. Now, when we talk about vision statement, it's something that you have to come up with and and define that clearly and simplistically enough so others can understand what that entails. So, if you are the organizational leader and you have not determined yet what your vision is for the organization, you're not only behind the power curve on that, but you're also behind your growth journey and you're also potentially chartless on your voyage through uncharted waters of your industry. Not having a vision or rehearsing a vision statement as part of the organizational culture, is like not knowing where you want to go or do with your organization. Therefore, I urge you today to consider choosing a vision statement. Should you be so inclined and should you be ready to do so, it has to be well thought out. Put a corporate, make it a corporate affair with those that are close to you, those that you trust, the visionaries, the decision makers, all those that are in your circle of influence and give it some consideration. As a good precedent, always starting with why will get you on the voyage toward accomplishing your organization's purpose. When you've identified what that organizational purpose is and what you envision as a path to attaining it, make it a simple and succinctly crafted statement to capture that vision. It's that essential, it's that imperative so that what your vision is and what you want the future to hold for you will be something that is clear and defined and something that is worth memorizing so that you can excel in what you desire to make an impact in for your organization and in the society. So with that said, I'd like now to bring my guest, uh, and his his name is uh, is Evan Evan Dash. He's a remarkable person, somebody who's learned a lot and who's grown a lot and who's done a lot in our society to bring uh, people to to uh, to the best of their ability, both in his organization as a leader and also to different homes. And I'm going to introduce him here shortly uh, with his bio. So. Evan Dash. All right. I'm excited today to have with me a friend, uh, Evan. Evan Dash is, uh, you know, he uh, used to be a senior vice president and general merchandise manager at Macy's before becoming an entrepreneur. And in 2010, uh, he, uh, Dash and his wife, uh, Rachel, founded Storebound, uh, which develops housewares. And you find any of those housewares uh, under the name Dash, uh, Sobro, uh, Chef Joe Fries, Zacharian, and these are all found in places like Target, CVS, Amazon. And in just eight years, Storban has built the largest organic social media following the U.S. industry. And uh, notably, over 1 million followers. And he's earned billions of marketing impressions and product distribution in North and South America, Europe, Asia, particularly all around the world. Really, uh, StoweBound was recognized on the Inc. list of fastest growing businesses for four consecutive years and in the top 100 of the Entrepreneur 360 list. This is impressive and most importantly, um, Evan, Evan Dash has uh, served on the board of directors of the International Housewares Association for seven years. He has two sons in college and lives in New York City and is with his wife, uh, Rachel. Welcome to the Global Reach Leadership Forum, Evan. It's really great to have you here.
2: It's awesome to be here. Thank you.
1: Awesome. So how are things going with you? How How is Starbound going?
2: And storebound is going great. This these have been crazy times, you know, with COVID, the world has turned upside down. Everything changed and Rachel and I are thankful every day that we're in the product category that we're in because more people are making um, home-cooked meals now than really at any any point since the invention of the restaurant.
1: That's right. That's right. That is so awesome that uh, we're talking about that in and- for those that are listening today, Evan is uh, a very accomplished entrepreneur, a multimillion dollar um, enterprise that he, he runs. And he's really brought the vision of what it means to to grow at home, to 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 enjoy home cooked meals and everything else. So we'll be talking about that um, at some point here. But today we're talking about vision and vision is very important for any leader and Evan is certainly um, uh, a leader in that respect. Uh, So we wanna start off uh, today, Evan, talking about uh, leadership as as regards to vision and how really vision has applied to what you have done in in your sphere of influence, the housewares industry, manufacturing, and and also coming from a corporate sector to the manufacturing sector, how how things have really evolved for you. And uh, I want us to just hear from you and I think the first thing I want to ask really is how do you communicate um, leadership uh, to, your, to your team when it comes to vision? How did you uh, cult- cultivate the, you know your vision and then how do you translate that to your team?
2: Well, it used to be very easy because we were we were very small and we started off with. Rachel and myself working in a room and we could just talk to each other about it. But our vision was was pretty simple and it really was born out of a frustration that we each had in the corporate world. And that was that our suppliers didn't really understand what we needed as retailers. Mm -hmm. So our vision was really to create a company that would be retailer centric, that would make retailers lives easier. At the time, we didn't even know what products we would be selling. And it's funny today because every time people want to talk about business with me, it's always all about the products and the product category and the competitive landscape. But it was interesting that our vision and our mission really formed well before we even had any idea what product category we, we'd we be in. So today, now that we, we've we grown a lot, we still look at that vision of being retailer friendly and making retailers' lives easier and our mission of winning hearts, uh, now communicating it to a company that's growing very quickly is something that we had to do early on. We really had to put it into the DNA of the company and the people and made sure everybody was on the same wavelength because it's really no longer myself or Rachel or, or our top leadership The ones who are really conveying that vision and the mission, it's everybody and it's woven into the culture. And that's something for us that's just been such an important evolution in in what we've been able to bring to the business.
1: Wow, that that's that's impressive to hear. So it is really an everybody affair. It, it is trying to cultivate whatever it is that you're communicating, and in this case, we're talking about housewares, or whatever kind of product that you're manufacturing, and bringing that to everybody at um, at home through the employees and everything else. But so, so with that said, how does this vision then um, translate to how you lead your team? every day, does, do you have to have a calculated measure of trying to communicate that to them? Is it a special way of doing that or or how do you lead your team by communicating that vision?
2: Yeah, it, it really, I mean, for us, it comes down to communication, really great, open communication across job functions, breaking down the walls that, that exist in so many different companies. And as we've grown, there's always that tendency to get more siloed. So we've done some things within within our culture to make sure that we've got great, open, company-wide communication. So every Monday, for example, um, prior to COVID, we all met in person. The whole company would come into this big living room in the office that we set up. There were no desks or workstations. It was just a really great, relaxed environment. And we brought brought in lunch for everybody every single Monday. And we talk about things going on in the business and all of those things really go back to our, our overall vision of the business. So people got to hear it on at least a weekly basis from anybody who was presenting because all of our presentations really go to how are we, how are we executing on our vision and our mission? So as we moved into COVID times and we have this big distributed workforce, we've maintained those Monday, Monday group meetings. We do a lot of breakout chats. We do get to know you sessions where people from different, different sides of the organization come together and get put into rooms randomly. So that f- facilitates a lot of really good communication. But that communication is truly has to be the foundation that the company's built on because without that communication, everything else gets lost in the shuffle.
1: Wow. I am so glad you're mentioning that. And, you know, and you'll be, you know, you can attest to this, that Without sound communication, which is one of the biggest um, Achilles heels of most organizations, is the communication piece. So, if you break that code, I think you're gonna really excel in what you do. And I know with you, you know, with your resume being you know over a million followers, you definitely know a bit or two about communication. And so that's uh, something that is really impressive. So I think the lesson I'm learning here is that if you want to really move ahead and in, uh, in what you're doing, you've got to be communicating very effectively with your team. So, so you've done. A Great job with that uh, through COVID, and your you know your you know staying afloat with the team. They're the very cohesive. But one of the things that I've wondered is how you know at what stage in the conception of your company did you then um, determine what kind of leadership structure that you want to have? Because you're talking about bringing everybody together into one place and then articulating the vision by communicating to them. But is there a special leadership structure that you form that you figured, okay, before I start my company, this is what I got to have, or you kind of develop that in the middle of it? How, how did you come up with the structure that you developed?
2: Well, our, our our whole leadership foundation is, is based on evolution. Definitely. And I am a completely different leader today than I was when we started the company 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I have grown so much. I feel today I have more to learn than at any point in my career. You know, I'm not that arrogant adolescent anymore, that teenager who was just getting behind the wheel of the car and feeling like I was in total control. Now I've been empowering others on the team and cultivating other leaders within the organization and just continuing to evolve in that process and realizing that I don't have all the answers, communicating that I don't have all the answers, empowering the people who are closest to the business so that we can make decisions that will help Hopefully, give us the best answers.
1: Wow, and Evan, you're you're my hero when it comes to leadership because (laughs) you you said some things that really resonate with me, and that is empowerment. And I have preached that over time and time again to to leaders because there's always a tendency to think that oh, I'm the boss of this company, you do as I say, or whatever leadership style they decide to uh, to do. But but your style of leadership is certainly uh, an impressive one that obviously has brought you results. But so one of the things I'm thinking about now, you know the next question that I have there is is uh, what kind of leadership strategies specifically, if you have any, that you have actually evolved, like you mentioned, to make a storebound the exceptional company that it is, and what makes storebound stand out from the rest because it's got to be some that you're doing. Can you give us maybe a couple of you know of them that uh, are your strategies that you've applied to to make you excel?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you actually said something in, in a previous podcast that was all about the difference between confidence and arrogance. And <laughs> yeah. that for me, I mean, that resonated so much because I think I went from a young entrepreneur that was um, and I was filled with a lot of arrogance. I was I had a way of doing things in my, my corporate life, and I achieved this level of success that was unusual for somebody of my age. And I think that built in what I thought was confidence. When I look back at it, it's arrogance. Mm. And what I've been able to do is really come to grips with the fact that I can't do everything. If we're going to be successful, it's going to be the results of others on the team, and that Every day I'm thinking about how do I empower the people who I've hired, trust them to do the job, give them the tools they need to do the job and make them get, um, and make make them feel as though the environment is, is a catalyst to their success. And that's something that takes work every single day and communication's a big piece of it. Um, but just, I mean, really generally speaking, I think for me, leadership comes down to I've got to cultivate other leaders and I've got to identify those people in the company that are going to be, that are going to take the company to the next level because it's really not going to be me. I spend a lot of time in the hiring process and really making sure that the people we bring into the team are, are the right fit. That's a, a huge piece of, of the value that I still bring to the company and something that I try to keep my hands on. But, um, It's interesting when we bring people in to interview them. I explain that everybody who has a seat in our office is better than me at whatever it is that they do. And it if I'm gonna micromanage and look over their shoulders and question everything, I'm gonna slow down the process. I'm gonna I I know that I'm gonna wind up leaving people having people looking over their shoulder fearful that i'm going to be walking over and challenging i just want to really give people an ex- a work experience where they can do the work that they were brought in to do i mean it's very it's a very simple premise oh my
1: goodness Evan, you I tell you what, you are just singing my song now. I like what you're saying because you know what, though? That mindset you have is going to pay dividends a lot. You just mentioned a few things that kind of hit home about growing leaders, about realizing the fact that it's not about you. You have to grow the next generation of leaders. And that is a concept that most leaders miss. And as a result, the world revolves around them. And then when they're gone, guess what? The company is gone. You know, we want we want to grow leaders behind us. So I'm glad that you're doing that. So so with that said, then, you know, Evan, I, I'm I'm, I'm kind of curious then. Uh, there are there personal values that you have that has really shaped who you are today and what has shaped the company today? Because you gotta have some values that, you know, uh, or convictions. That has really shaped the vision that you want for Storebound and has made you the success that you are today. Uh, do you care to share any of that, anything personal or everything it was just learned on the fly?
2: No, I mean, I I, it's it's interesting. I've been um, spending some time as I have free time working on working on a book and I've been doing it in kind of memoir style because most people think that you shape your education in college and then you really get this incredible on the job training and most of the things that shape me happened so much earlier in in my life and i was so i'm so blessed to have grown up in a wonderful family with amazing parents who didn't let me take the easy way toward anything um and at the time there there was a you know it it can be frustrating when you're a kid to not get exactly what you want, and um, and to be challenged on, on a lot of things. And that, for me, really shaped me. I mean, I had um, attention deficit disorder, and I was hyper, and I was always kicked out of the classroom. And I learned very early on, you know, two, two things. My parents would go into a parent-teacher conference, and I'd wait outside, and inevitably they'd hear just what a terror I was and when my father and mother would come out and they'd ask me how i'd say so how did it go and they'd say how do you think it went and we'd have this this conversation i learned that you don't lie and you don't blame others mm. you accept responsibility and you tell the truth and if you do those two things you can work out any difficult situation but if you lie you're eventually going to get caught and your credibility is gone Um, And nobody will look at you the same way again. And if you blame others, you just it's a counterproductive thing. If you accept responsibility and you show that you want to improve and that you want to get better, people will take you under their wing. People will show you compassion and courtesy and be and take a genuine interest in your career. So those basic values of you know, just basic life lessons shaped so much of the way that I've achieved success in my career and how I've dealt with setbacks, probably more importantly in my career and accepting the responsibility and figuring out how to bring change and those values. I mean, in a value-based company, I think are absolutely critical. Wow.
1: Wow. This is so good. You don't lie and you accept responsibility. You don't blame others. That is so profound. You know what? As simple as that might sound, it's it's hard for some leaders to grasp. And as a result, people are not, you know getting the success, they need to see their companies. Wow, this is great. I you know, I'm I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that because if anybody's hearing this today, please, please kind of take this home and really make the best of it. Look. Anytime you pick up one of those Dash products, think about Evan and what he's seeing right now, a man of integrity, a man who understands what he's talking about and it's evident in what he does. He get an equality product because he puts himself into it, his values into it. Thanks for sharing that. So, So then, At this point, I I, want to ask, that's probably got to be one of the biggest lessons you've learned. You've probably learned something that you think a buddy entrepreneur should uh, take home with, you know, with them, or maybe they should consider in the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. What is, what would you say is the biggest uh, leadership lesson that you've learned or maybe an advice on kind of cultivating a vision that somebody wants? If if you're a buddy entrepreneur or, or maybe you've been, you know, You know, you thinking about it, what would you you give them? Probably the biggest one that you you, you can share, if any.
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, it was understand what, what your vision is. Once you cultivate your vision, don't just jump into it. Know the prerequisites for the education. So for me, I could have never started this business right out of college like so many entrepreneurs do. I needed to get a 20 year corporate education where, in addition to the education, I made relationships. I built up a network. I traveled the world doing product development and sourcing. I learned enough about global logistics, engineering, and finance. And I made so many mistakes, Mm. but those mistakes that I made along the way were on somebody else's dime. I was still getting a paycheck. Didn't matter if. I was doing great, doing poorly. Every two weeks, that money showed up. And I think that a lot of the mistakes I learned along the way could have potentially put me out of business as an entrepreneur. So people so often look at our business and say, oh, you came out of left field, you're an overnight success. It was like 20 years of building before I even started building. So I think for people to truly understand what is their vision, but then- really be honest with yourself is, do you have the education and the assets to really um, achieve that vision? Or is this something that you say, this is is what my passion is going to be, but I'm going to find a job that will teach me all of the necessary skills and help me build up a network before I go out and risk all my own money to start this.
1: Wow. That is so true. I'm so glad you say that because I'll be I'll be very vulnerable to tell you that that was one of the mistakes that I did. I, you know, coming out of the military and then starting and and getting my postgraduate doctoral program and then rolling right into business to me, I had to do a lot of learning on the fly. And I realized that the education and, and the different kind of culture background was not quite going to make it. So I learned on the fly. But to your point, learn all those things way ahead of the time that you desire to be an entrepreneur. Otherwise, uh, you're going to go through some really you know, strong bumps that are going to be painful. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. So, you know, uh, as you say this, I'm thinking about, you know, your several years of preparation before launching into... What one would call a very, you know, um, slippery slope. If you don't know what you're doing, but you have proven success, and and with that, you know, I I want to ask this, and, and and that is the question: is how does the pressure from success and fame affect? You does it change how you lead? Does it change how your vision is? Um, I suspect not, but I, I want to hear what you say. Does does this fa- you know fame success does all that really change who you are and how you lead?
2: I I've always been the type of leader where I tend to be the toughest when things are at their best, mm. and when things are really tough. I spend time nurturing and uplifting, and I bring an in intensity where things are, are really good. And I think that that can be mischaracterized sometimes as being overly overly tough. It's a competitive intensity. And I think success just breeds more success because once you start to experience things going your way, it becomes an addiction mm. and you f- you feel obsessed with trying to build on those successes and i think that's something that i sit down and i explain to people that don't mistake my intensity for um you know for being angry or or just being a jerk it's it's truly competitive i'd be the same way if we were out playing basketball so um i think it's it's knowing yourself also but i I don't understand people who get carried away with success or carried away with fame because I've seen so many people achieve success, lose success. It can be a fleeting thing. I think you have to appreciate it while you have it. I think you need to use it to lift up other people and to empower other people. Because if you don't do that, when the tables are turned, nobody's going to be there for you, you know, standing over you with an outstretched hand when you get knocked down.
1: Wow. That's so true. So, so, so with that said, do you think that you delegate more tasks or, you know, I think you did mention about how you empower others. Do you think that that is really a a culture that um, other leaders that you're growing are catching or that is just resonating with you? Do you think this is a legacy that's going to continue with you and those that you lead?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when, When we were um, searching for an investor for for years, investors always look at the founder as as the secret sauce. And I was almost offended with the way that so many private equity companies were placing the value on me and not placing the value on what I built and the sustainable nature of what I built, so that I was able to when my my older son was playing in a in a uh, big travel volleyball program and going to national championships, I could walk out the door. I could spend two weeks traveling with, with him and Rachel and going and watching games and yep. meeting up with my parents and knowing that everything back at the ranch was being, was being handled by the people who were brought there and empowered to do it. And um, so I feel like that's something that you have to do as a leader. And if you're lucky enough and fortunate enough to achieve a level of success and growth, you'll find yourself in a position where you can't do it all. And it's better to build from the beginning, knowing that you have to empower others, knowing that you've got to pass down. I mean, I don't really call it delegating as much as empowering because I'm not even assigning the tasks. I mean, the team is coming up with what they want to achieve and the tasks that that need to be done. So that just has to be something that's foundational from the beginning. And if you can't give up that control, if you do wind up on a growth track, you're going to struggle with it um, to a, to a degree that can be debilitating and can ultimately turn success quickly into failure. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. You are so right on, on 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 point with that because uh you're talking about um duplicating or multiplying yourself. You know, uh my uh mentor, John Maxwell, has always said that you know, leadership is about multiplication. If if you can't replicate yourself several times, then you're probably gonna run into a roadblock. And I'm glad that you have that vision and you're cultivating that well. Well, that's that's great to hear. So um at this point, then, you have been in this industry quite a while. It's almost 10 years now. And um, I'm thinking that uh, not everybody is like you, uh, there, Evan. Uh, the, I think the manufacturing sector has, uh, has some problems. But that's just me. Do you think that uh, the manufacturing and housewares uh, sector, you know, as far as leadership goes, has some problems? Do, what what are your insights on that? Do, do they need leadership development? Should they kind of cultivate some of the tenants that you just mentioned? or you think that it's it's doing well? all the all the organizations they are doing great? What are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, I mean, we we deliberately set up in in this industry because we felt as though there was an opportunity to outmaneuver a lot of. Um, larger legacy companies that were relying more on um, their brand than really innovating and doing right by by the retailers. So for us, it was just kind of a natural to go into this category. And we were able to take a more forward looking, um, bringing fashion into a category that never really had color and fashion um, developing a voice and content that went to a younger consumer and endearing ourselves to a whole new generation that was just um, getting to the point where they're cooking their own meals, they're buying homes, they're getting married, they're registering, they're having, they're starting a family. So for us, um, you know, I think that every every industry can um, can certainly do better with leadership. Um, we try to lead within our industry, so. I'm on the board of the Housewares Charity Foundation, and as a charity foundation, we've raised over $70 million um, through our our industry for breast cancer research and a number of other legacy charities. So what we've tried to do is we might not be able to be the biggest fundraiser versus these other multi-billion dollar companies But we bring so much heart and we show the actions that we take on. We try to inspire the thousands of other housewares companies to take a page out of our playbook and and run the business in a way where you can give back to the communities, you can help to end um, diseases. And that you can be there to lift people up when there's some type of natural catastrophe. So um, you know, I think that we try to be the types of leaders that inspire an industry, inspire our consumers, inspire the team um, that's that's working with us. So yeah, overall, I mean, I, I think that. Even, even we can improve in our, our leadership, and we're striving to do that every every day. But it's a conscious, conscious decision, and it's a, a journey of, of evolution.
1: That is so awesome. Well, thank you so much, Evan. You've been, you've been so remarkable. I, I am impressed by what um, you're doing with Storebound. Uh, you, you, I think, are uh, leading the charge with uh, this industry and how leadership should be done. And um, I like our, you know, our listeners and our, our, our viewers to just hear um, what, you know, what you have to say, what makes, you know, what you want them to know about your business, where to find your products, anything that kind of lets people know about storebound and what makes you unique. So uh, this is your chance to let the world know.
2: Yeah, I mean, we we pour our heart and soul in And, I, you know, getting to know you, Dr. Pat, I, I know you know how we are about our business and, and what we do put into it. We are we sell our products under the Dash brand at um, probably most, most stores that carry housewares, um, Target to Crate and Barrel, Williams-Sonoma, we're on QVC and Home Shopping Network and Bed Bath & Beyond, and so many other, other retail customers. And we're just so thankful that we've gotten the support that we have from the consumer, um, that they embrace our messaging. You can follow us at um, on Instagram at buy dash or unprocess your food. And we're constantly putting out positive messaging, hopefully inspiring people to make healthy home-cooked meals and to enjoy their their time around the table with their loved ones. And I, I just appreciate the opportunity to come in and talk about the business. Awesome.
1: Well, thank you so much, everyone. You've been awesome. Hey, for everybody that is listening if you don't have a Dash product in your home, now is the time to go get one because you've heard from Evan. You know it's good to know the story behind the brand, right? So I'm encouraging you to go out there and do what you've got to do. Thank you so much, Evan. You've been awesome for this, and for everybody that is a regular subscriber, just just be a part of what we do. This is about vision. We talk about vision in our book as for all the 52 essential qualities and attributes of organizational leader. Get a copy and. Go buy, you know, a DASH product and be the best you can be. And always remember to lead the change. Take care, be well, and God bless.
0: Well, global leaders, thank you for listening to this episode of the Global Reach Leadership Forum. If you have learned something today, please like us on Facebook. Visit our website at www.globalreachleaders.com to leave a comment or a question. And share this episode with others. Until next week, remember to lead the change. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.